Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Darshan McAway. You're tuned in to Wild Podcast. By all means, go to wildpodcast.me. That's W-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot M-E. Now, today we have a special guest. We have Catherine Hudson. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Darshan. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing well. So let's talk about your newest release, Sleepwater Static, book two in the Blue Helix series. Yes, uh this is my seventh novel that just came out on May 26th. Um, it was really super exciting because it became an international bestseller uh, within the first 24 hours, which is faster than the first book in the series. So that was that was fun and exciting. Um, this is an LGBTQ dystopian sci-fi with um, s- some pretty eerie parallels to uh, what's going on in the world right now, which was not my intention when I finished writing the book, <laughs> but it, it came out at, uh, I guess, sort of the perfect time, which is good. And, and this is this is set in the very near future in 2031, um, and it revolves around a, a group of people that have a special kind of supernatural ability um, to um, elicit physical responses in people who hear them tell certain stories. So... Um, I, I'm super excited to have this new book out, and it's been really well received so far. Um, it's a little bit of a jump from the first book in the series, but uh, I will continue with it, and I'm excited to keep moving forward. Why did you decide to have a different main character? When I wrote the first book, Sleep Water Beat, uh, that was a, a standalone in and of itself. Um, until I realized that I wasn't finished with the story and I wasn't finished with the characters and I had um, a lot more to say. And um, in some ways, this supernatural ability that um, these people have in the Blue Helix series has become something of um, a character on its own. <laughs> and the story belongs to everyone across across the world, this marginalized community of people who are feared and hunted and discriminated against um, because of this, you know, extra sort of mutation <laughs> that they have that they can't control. Um, and I had also realized after I wrote Sleepwater Beat when, you know, I touched on other marginalized communities, um, the LGBTQ community and um, I touched a lot on homelessness and drug addiction and um, broken families and broken homes and realized that I had uh, not written anything at all about race. And so when I decided that um, that I was going to continue the series and uh, write Sleepwater Static, which is book two, um, it became really, really important for me to, to highlight these disparities and social injustices in the same way as I had with the first book. Um, and the best way for me um, that I felt to do that was to write from the perspective of a white woman living in the South. That's about as close as I can get to um, right. understanding, you know, these, these, um, these issues from a respectful perspective. You know, I didn't want to, cross any lines and, and go to places that I can't personally understand. Um, and Bernadette also just really, really fascinated me when she was introduced in uh, as a supporting character in Sweetwater Beat. And 
it was also a little bit of a challenge. I wanted to see how well I could write from the perspective of a 71-year-old woman, white woman from the South, who had been in a biracial relationship with a black man and, and had a child with him. And uh turns out I had a lot more in common with a 71-year-old woman than I ever expected. So did anything surprise you as you were writing Sleepwater Static? Yes, I actually, a couple of things, um, which was really fun. One of them was um, writing, you know, more supporting characters when I'm coming from a new main character and her story and her background. Um, I wrote uh, Donna's character, who is um, one of Bernadette Manny, who is the main character. Um, It's one of her best friend's partners. I was writing Donna and... She was just supposed to be a, a side character who wasn't going to come up much more than just being mentioned in these in these um, letters that Bernadette and Janet write to each other. And then I realized that I needed to put Bernadette and her partner Daryl in the same room with Janet and her partner Donna. Um, and then I ended up writing writing Donna as a character who is charismatic and terrifying at the same time. And it was, it was actually really, really fun and quite a surprise um, to find myself uh, stepping into her shoes a little bit. And, you know, I I also wanted to um, open up some, some views into, um, different demographics that I think may not have been looked at a lot. So most of the scenes where, where Donna is present as a character are in the early to mid-1980s. And mm-hmm. um, Donna is a, a biracial woman who is very well educated and affluent and lives in a really nice neighborhood in Vincent, Alabama in the 1980s. And so she was the, she's the catalyst for this sort of rebellion that is, is happening that we get snippets of in the 1980s. And she's also a lesbian and she is fighting a lot of, a lot of different viewpoints that are aimed against her. Um, and so that, that turns into you know, all the fuel for the pieces of why she is such a <laughs> such a charismatic and terrifying character all at the same time. And uh, I never expected to dive that deeply into her, and I never expected to enjoy it so much. But it was definitely a big surprise when, when she was born, I, I guess, and uh, just loads of fun, which I appreciated so much. Gotcha. So let's switch gears just a little bit. What made you get into writing? What was that? What was that wow moment? that you said to yourself, hey, I think I can do this? <laughs> I was 10. <laughs> um, that's when I when I started writing, um, 100%. And I woke up from a, a dream I had had. It was a, a reoccurring nightmare where I wanted to change the ending to my favorite movie. And I was getting so frustrated. It had been going on for about a week. And then I woke up on my 10th birthday after this, reoccurring nightmare not being able to change my favorite movie and realized that maybe I could get this dream to stop if I just rewrote the ending I could write anything I wanted to make it be anything I wanted it to be and I 
didn't actually rewrite the ending, but I started writing, you know, a 10-year-old little girl's really dark and kind of messed up um, version of a a fairy story. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And from then on, it just, it just took off. And I've always known this is what I wanted to do. I went uh, to CU Boulder for a bachelor's in creative writing fiction. And, you know, I met some bumps along the way and some twists in the road. But I ended up where I am now, which is writing fiction full time. And it is, uh, it's, I'm so fortunate to be able to say that, you know, I'm living the dream as an author and a writer. And I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's a great material. Definitely a page turner. So what do you hope readers will get out of uh, the Blue Helix series? My biggest hope is that people find it an enjoyable story. Of course, you know, <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we want that we want readers to love what they're reading and to get hooked and to fall in love with the characters, even the ones that may be a little bit hard to fall in love with at the beginning. Um, and then just, you know, very closely after that, um, what I do really, really hope and, and the, the sort of motivation behind writing the series is to bring a lot of uh, a lot of topics and discussions about society and um, institutions <laughs> in modern society and in our world today um, to bring them to the forefront readers' minds um, and to make these conversations and topics more accessible to a wider range of people, um, hopefully some of whom may not have otherwise you know, been open to looking at different perspectives in a new way or to having these conversations. Um, and I, I do firmly believe 100% that, you know, story, good storytelling is a way to get new information, new ideas, eye-opening mm, epiphanies, understanding sometimes um, to get those across to people without it um without it feeling too didactic or incredibly pushy. Um, and so, you know, I I always love hearing when my readers get back to me and tell me that they had never thought of something this way before, but my books had, had changed their mind or had opened, opened their eyes to what was possible um, or what is or what they never had an opportunity to see or, you know, perhaps maybe even never wanted to see before and um storytelling is my avenue for for getting that across where can they purchase your books or how can they get in contact with you yeah my books are available um across the board pretty much anywhere you can think of amazon barnes noble apple books kobo um and and many other platforms if you look me up you can find me um and then uh, my author website is katherinehudsonfiction.com. Um, I am on Facebook and Instagram at Catherine Hudson Fiction and Twitter at Exquisitely Dark. And um, I love emails, too. It's author at katherinehudsonfiction.com. And I always reply to emails from readers. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things. Well, you're listening to Wild Podcast. I'm your host, Darshawn McAway. We're talking to author Catherine Hudson about her latest book, Sleepboard Static, book number two in the Blue Helix series. Catherine, it was a pleasure speaking with you.
Thank you so much, Darshan. I appreciate it. No problem.